if you can change policy, then you're not just changing what's happened today. You're changing what's happening for the rest of time, even when people come behind us. So that's really important to me is that MCAM, the Mayor's Commission on African American Males, and the Office of Black Male Engagement work together to get recommendations to Mayor Kenny, mm -hmm. because that's what we're here for. That was Eric Westbrook, director of the Mayor's Office of Blackmail Engagement. I'm Flood the Drummer, and this is Drumming for Justice. It's Monday, July 22nd, 2019. What's up, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. In January of this year, on the pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer, I advocated for a makeover at the Mayor's Office of Blackmail Engagement due to what I believed were unremarkable outcomes. Jack Drummond then had just exited as the director of OBME, and accompanying his departure was a pledge from the city that, in the future, the office would be more action-oriented and public-facing. Six months later, the city's assurance proved true, prompting me to offer now a panegyric about the small and unassuming office on the ground level of City Hall. Mr. Westbrook now sits in the seat once occupied by Mr. Drummond, and he sat down with me last Thursday. Here's that conversation. How, how are you going to define success in this role? I think success, so obviously, you know, there are a couple, couple benchmarks we're looking at is I want policy recommendations. So when we're talking about MCAM, success to me is what and are MCAM we, is the Mayor's Commission of African American Males. Yes, Men. yes, mm. thank you. Yeah, the Mayor's Commission of African American Males. Like um, success for me would be reports. Like what is the state of black men in Philadelphia? I don't know if you had a chance to check out our Brotherly Love Health Report. Mm. So we'll have one of those for you today. But the Brotherly Love Health Report is a snapshot, is a full of detail of what the health, look, health looks like for black men and boys in the city of Philadelphia. We need data on who we are. Mm -hmm. Right now, could, who could tell me what's the state of black men in Philadelphia? We have a lot of opinions, we have a lot of ideas, but what one resource can we pull all that information in and then begin to really data-driven make moves? Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times, success for me isn't necessarily reacting to the quick thing that happens, putting fires out. What, what, what plan have we put in place after assessing all the data that we can look and make policy change? Because to me, that, that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. If you can change policy, then you're not just changing what's happened today. You're changing what's happening for the rest of time, even when people come behind us. So that's really important to me is that MCAM, the Mayor's Commission on African American Males, and the Office of Black Male Engagement work together to get recommendations to Mayor Kenny, mm -hmm. because that's what we're here for. So what policy... Do you, do you have, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I had spoken with your predecessor, Jack Drummond, yeah. about was yeah. having a target of saying, you know, per quarter we want three policy recommendations right. per quarter and, you know, an adoption rate of, you know, percentages. Yeah. I mean, are you getting that detail in, in, and, in what you're yeah. looking at? And I appreciate the question. That's where we're going. So right now, with the departure of my predecessor, getting back to restructuring MCAM is working together. Like, we... I'm, I'm learning everyone's nuance and what people do and the great things these men are doing. I mean, there are about 30 volunteers of 
professionals who do amazing work, all different ages, and we love what they're doing, but now we're restructuring it to get to the point where, okay, who are our policy guys? Mm. Who are our advocacy guys? And who are our engagement guys? Mm. You see, sometimes there are guys who are committed to policy. They research, they research, they research. Exactly. They got the data. They got that on lock. They may not want to come to a meeting Mm. on engagement. Because that's not their wheelhouse. Mm. Is that okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm saying now, that's okay. Mm. So it's like asset management. Like, we don't need you here. We need you best exactly. where you fit. And, and we got to put guys where they fit. We got to put guys in the position to thrive, to be successful. That way, when they're in that position, they feel like they're not wasting their time. Mm. They're getting something done. And that we can make this big machine, because part of the bureaucracy is turning this big wheel. We can make this big wheel move now if we got everybody in their position. And that's very important to me. So that's what we're doing now is, okay, nailing down, okay, look, I'm new, I get it, been here since April. What are some policy ideas that, unfortunately, over the last few months or something, just you put out there but never got, no one ever listened to? Or another fire broke out somewhere and we put all our attention into putting out a fire. Because when black men and black boys, stuff is always happening. Mm -hmm. This is America. Stuff is always happening with us. And so there are a thousand, a million things that we could put our attention to that could distract us from policy. When you came in April, what was your understanding of what this office does? And does that understanding match your vision? Yeah, so when I came in April, I think, yes. So the big thing to me, and I just kept mulling over this over and over, I was telling my wife, like, transforming the narrative of black men and boys in Philadelphia and then closing opportunity gaps. Those two phrases were huge to me. And that's the way I see, again, the Office of Black Men. Is that your vision or is that your understanding of what the office is? That's did? what the office, that was in the job description. Okay. That was, so, <laughs> so those two things were big to me and that's why I signed up. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about transforming a narrative, there is a narrative about black men and boys in this city. And if we're not careful, we can buy into a very negative narrative. Depending on where you go, you hear all types of things. And to transform that narrative is going to take work. It's going to take committed individuals. It's going to take partnerships. It's going to take, which is what I spoke to a little bit before, is like, what, what's it going to take to transform that narrative? And then closing opportunity gaps and closing, uh, just bringing that divide closer together is again, it's gonna take the work. It's gonna take relationships. We have it here. You know, one thing I was talking about recently was like, you know, um, yeah, we were talking about the uh, summer work stuff for, for youth, and I think that's awesome. You know, but uh, we were talking about what ways we could get that out to our black boys more efficiently, because there are some neighborhoods who never hear about this. Mm-hmm. Why? Why don't, why don't, why, why do certain pockets in North Philadelphia never even heard of work ready? Why? It's a good question because it, it doesn't, who goes? Mm. Who goes there? What table is set up there? What organization have we partnered with? There are people in the trenches doing work, trying to save these young guys' lives that we're not partnering with. Mm-hmm. So we can't keep meeting in safe spots to us. Mm-hmm. We've got to get public and go where they are. We've got to be seen. 
our office has to Do you think government has been afraid to go to these spots in the past? I don't know if it's... it's or are these niggas wanna, just forgotten, written off, and... I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's neglect. I think sometimes, even in good intention, people think that, hey, we're doing it here. It's, it's accessible by this Broad Street subway. Hey, you can get here. And I think they think, hey, look, we did something. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past, I think that maybe that was kind of the thought is like, hey, if we have this, if we have this here somewhere where it's accessible, but then we got to start thinking like, what does accessible really mean? Mm -hmm. Accessible, getting on a train and going somewhere that may not be accessible to everybody. Some people, are we trusted? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still the government. Mm -hmm. And last time I checked, the government and black men don't really have a good track record. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that we're working on with that. So instead of hoping people come where we are, we got to go where they are. So you said something really, really interesting is, you know, before you can even, I guess, rethink about how you deliver these services and engage these, you know, desert areas and say you got to develop trust. Right. How do you do that? What's what's the the method that you you, you go about, you know, thinking about it in a very pragmatic way? What are the steps to build trust? So one of the big things that we did just recently was this youth job fair. and We partnered with Anton Moore at Mm -hmm. Unity in the Community in South Philly. That was huge because Anton is already trusted. Mm -hmm. I realized, look, and, and, and again, we're all wired differently. Anton can meet the needs of a group of people that I could never talk to. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they don't know me. I'm not from South Philly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something just about being from certain sections of the city, you get a pass. And I get that. If you, you know, come from where I'm from, same thing. So with that in mind, we got to connect with those guys. And with an Anton Moore or a Warren Upchurch in Southwest Philly or an Akeem Dixon or several other guys that are out here doing amazing work. I got to connect with them. And then because they have the trust already, they're trusted messengers. We get with those guys and then they can get us into these circles where the city resources can be filtered in. Mm-hmm. So so it's not even about you being necessarily being the face. I don't it's, have to be. Yeah. I don't have to be. Using them as a conduit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, it's who they trust. It's not so much about me. Mm-hmm. It's about... Who do people trust so that they can get the services they need? I would rather them get the services than know my name. I don't care about that. Mm. Get the services you need to and the opportunities you need. So That's when you, what this when office you, is about. When you think about this job, you don't think about it in part of... Is there any part of you that does think about raising your profile, increasing name recognition, developing pseudo-celebrity? Uh, you know what, man? I, I, I I'm not here for any of that. I think that... You, you, the work speaks for itself. Do the work. Let everybody else figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, do the work. We have real needs. Like, there are real gaps here, and we need to fill them. Mm-hmm. That's it. The health report you were, you were referred to. Yeah. The outlook is it is it aspirational? Absolutely. Is- I think it's full of it. It's 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 powerful. And like I said, you're going to get a copy today. But it's it's huge. It's super informative. And then, but what we're doing already is we're we're kind of flushing it out through different opportunities and events. So we just did uh, the foundation, Family Over Everything Foundation, the the Mar- Morris twins, Marcus and Markeith Morris, uh, NBA stars, uh, right here from uh, South Philly. Uh, they were here in in the city and they came and. They did their foundation. We had a men's summit. And Mm. during that summit, we did a panel discussion on health. 
and we had uh, Philadelphia's own Freeway mm -hmm. come out and share his story and his experience with health and talking really about some of the you know some of the things that black men deal with when it comes to health I mean how difficult it is for some of us just to admit the need to go to the doctor some of us haven't been in years I wrote a, an op-ed recently in the Enquirer about my own father mm -hmm. who avoided going to the doctor and didn't listen to my mother for, and then unfortunately you know, had a massive heart attack, slipped into a coma and spent the last 11 years of his life uh, in a coma and then died unfortunately. And so the health report is full of information that can prevent things like that. That health is, is a very real thing that we don't talk about. We're so used to being strong and resilient mm. and, and fighters and tough that we don't often think about, man, what this trauma that has happened in our lives, how is that impacting? Mm. Maybe the way we eat is a result of things we've seen or have experienced or, or the lack of certain uh, uh, necessities in our community. You spoke about a desert, uh, food deserts are mm. very real. That we gotta, again, we have to address these things. So I think, again, the data, you know, whenever you're trying to make a real move and a shift, especially policy, you need data. Mm -hmm. Can't just go there talking about what you like and what you want. That, that's great. But now we need the data. And so I think reports like this can really are really key in helping us pull information uh, that support our efforts uh, towards uh, supporting and, and really desired outcomes for black men and boys. When I think about black men and boys, you know, I, I always try to look at it from an asset framing, right? But you, you can't help but know that there are some downsides, right? Yeah. Uh, there, were, there was a report last year that came out in Billy Penn about the life expectancy of black men yeah. uh, decreasing. If you look at the city's own data as it relates to, to violence, both the perpetrators of violence and the victims of violence are poor boys of a color, black yeah. boys, right? you know, 13 to 20, yeah. where where does the office fit in that conversation on, on gun violence yeah. and, and things like that? And so we're partnering with the Office of Violence Prevention now. And so recently they came, uh, We I went to their quarterly progress update on the Philadelphia Roadmap to Safer mm -hmm. Communities. And so we're planning right now, we've already sat down and I'm fleshing it out with the Office of Public Engagement, my supervisor, Gina Amir, and we're, we're fleshing out what's called our MBK Action Academy. And we're looking to have these academies in every part, of, in every section of the city, near pinpoint locations. These pinpoint locations are where police have, right. yeah, you know. So these very hot spot areas, and in these, what we're looking to do is address the concern of crime through various academies, if you will. And so these academies will offer things like workshops. We can do trauma training workshops, home buying workshops. Education. So you guys are getting into the direct services business. Absolutely. Where, you know, that hadn't been the, the competency of this office in the past, right? We have to. See, see, see the city, we, we offer that. Mm. Is the, see, so I don't necessarily have to do direct service. I'm a social worker. That's where, that's where my heart is. Mm -hmm. But I, don't, I have to create a system and put it in place that says, hey, we need to partner with this office and this office and this agency so that we can get these services here. And so, and will they will they take place in schools, churches? How, schools, how will they? Schools, churches, rec centers, the, wherever what the spaces that our trusted stakeholders mm -hmm. tell us to go into, that's where we're going. Okay. We're not we're not we're not going where we've been. Okay. We can't. I want to build on that. 
the conversations were amazing. Mm -hmm. And those conversations were vital for us to gather information and now take action. Mm -hmm. Hence, Action Academy. Mm. So tell me a little bit more about this Action Academy because I'm a little, I'm intrigued. Was this your brainchild? Well, <laughs> I would say I was like between me and Gina, my supervisor. Okay. Uh, I, I have to give her credit for the name, but I really love, uh, it was my idea really to be in the community. And I just kept sharing how like, you know, no one knows what the city has to offer. Mm. That that's really we just don't know how extensive it is. We don't know. Look, I think the biggest flaw, and I think anybody in government will admit, the government isn't particularly good at telling its own story, right? No. It does amazing shit, right. right? But it's not the best at saying, here, here it is. Exactly. I mean, you don't have. If you don't know where to look, you don't find it. Yeah, you're not gonna find it. It's not all over social media like that yet. So there are things that we gotta do to get that out. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that's what. MBK Action Academy is. You know what? People don't want to get together and talk anymore. Nobody wants to do that. You know, when I go out, I went down to Southwest Philly, and uh, I love those guys down there. At uh, Nomo uh, PA Fact is the name of their organization, and those guys let me know straight up. They said, "Look, man, I appreciate you. I love what you're doing. I'm glad you're in this position because they always say, e, I mess with you, man.' Mm -hmm. It's like, but just know this: we don't want no talking. Mm -hmm. We we need action." Mm -hmm. Our young boys are dying. That's a real thing. Like, we deal with guys who were walking yesterday and were burying in a few days. Mm -hmm. That's just a very real thing. And so, so if you're coming in here, we need sustainable programming, mm -hmm. something that we can hang our hats on, that we can take away from this our time together. Does this office have the budget to do sustainable programming? Because that's I, been a sticking point in the past, too. Yeah, so... Uh, here, we do have a budget. I think the thing with budget, right? We have a ton of people who are already doing this work, mm -hmm. and they're getting paid. Mm -hmm. They they get paid to do this, and they're waiting for somebody to say, "Hey, you know what? I love your workshop. Can you come do it over here?" And they're there. Mm -hmm. So see, so there are tons of I, I would even I'll say city agencies that are here that are like, hey, we do this already. Okay. This is my nine to five. This is my bread and butter. This is my salary paid position. Call me, email me, I'm there. Yeah. So, so in a lot of ways, the, and I've always believed this, the collaboration will cancel out a lot of the need for expenditures, right? That, that's if we collaborate. That's where relationships are important. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. And I, you know, coming into this role, like I said, it's, it's humbling. It's a humbling experience because I don't know everyone, but it's been awesome meeting new people, sharing the vision, hearing their vision, um, and then connecting and just saying, hey, look, however I can support you. What we've been doing also recently, we've been supporting other people's efforts. Mm -hmm. OBME, we'll be there. Mm -hmm. We're, oh, you're doing what? We'll be there. We'll help you with promotion. We'll, be, mm -hmm. we'll support you. Because we have to build, again, those relationships, uh, even internally, that promote trust. And so with that trust, then we can move forward. They can believe that we're on their side. We're all on the same team. Let's get it done. Mm. The Action Academy, is this going to be something that's monthly? Is this gonna... So right now, I want it to be, and it will be. Uh, I'm speaking that. So okay. But, but so the right goal now, is monthly? The goal is monthly. Right now, it's bi-monthly. Okay. It'll be bi-monthly just because we want to run it as a pilot to kind of see... You know, all of these things are going to take some planning uh, to get everybody involved and everybody on par. So we're looking at uh, state representatives, mm -hmm. city council members that we're already in conversation with. So, but with that type of move, 
takes time to get done. And so we're looking at bi-monthly right now. Is it happening in one particular neighborhood as a pilot, or are you piling it in various neighborhoods at once? Various, various neighborhoods. So uh, a pilot would be, I guess, in calling it a pilot, the first year will be the pilot. But mm-hmm. we're looking to, we have six of them already planned out. Um, we're just uh, finalizing everything. So no the first one hasn't even done yet? No, the first one is, on, is in August, late August. Okay. And it'll be in West Philadelphia. We've already had conversations with State Representative Morgan Cephas. Okay. So we're excited about that. And... Just so we're breaking a little news here. A little bit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, just a little sprinkle, a little taste. But the goal, the goal is, yeah, to, to really get out there and so bi-monthly. And then, uh, yeah, so we're looking at August and then October and, and following. But the goal is to eventually, you know, once we get that, this these relationships in place and it's kind of a well-working machine, then we can go back to monthly. Um, and just to be also for clarity, you're organizing these around Operation Pinpoint Checkpoints. Yeah. Right? So you got the data from the police department yes. looked at that. Oh. Yeah, got the data from the police department. I sit in on those meetings, uh, the uh, Roadmap to Safer Communities meetings. We sit in on those, the implementation of it. I ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I got to be the voice yeah. for, for black men and boys. And so... What will be the metric at the end of the year once you've done four or five of these? How will you judge that it was successful? Or will you look at a lower violence rate? Will you look at a higher number of people that are engaged in the office? Which, what will be the metric? The goal is is a, is, a, is lower gun violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I'm looking at. I mean, okay. overall, I want to see lower gun violence. But then also, I also want to see, like, engagement. Like, what did our engagement efforts look like? I'm not talking about tables and, you know, that's very passive means of engaging folks. Mm. I think that's great, but I'm talking about, like, what did people, what were they really interested in? What did people take away from it? Can we get some testimonials testimonials of individuals? So the data from that, that's what I'm really looking to pull from. So I think we, we're definitely going to be measuring, obviously, attendance, mm. but we also want to measure, like, effectiveness of certain trainings, what mm-hmm. we want to get back. So each event will be surveyed, like, and, and hopefully we'll be able to take away really real strong like a- answers and information from community members and then we'll be able to use that for our next times and our next and just to get better and mm. better and better because the goal is like just effectiveness I don't want to waste people's time um, I want it to be effective and so those would be the ways that we kind of look through that and 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 make sure again like I said it's a pilot and you know that that stuff can be like you're trying to make sense of everything, but mm. I want to make sure as we're engaging, is this the most effective way we can engage folks, or can we do it better? Mm-hmm. And so, just to wrap up, get a little insight in, into your mind. What yeah. What's your inspiration? What inspires you to, to do this work? Man, you know what? It's so much, but I think you know my faith, man. I, I really truly believe, man, that you know we're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we're here to fulfill our potential. And I think that can't be done unless people are put in position to succeed and opportunities are, 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 are put in place. And uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that drives me is, again, purpose. I think it's my potential being fulfilled is me being a bridge. I've always felt myself being a bridge from something to something you know and I was telling this story you know my wife is from New York City and I think New York City is amazing Manhattan is great but you know what it, it can only be experienced because there are so many bridges mm. and these bridges are in place and they can bridge you to so many different parts of that wonderful city I think here in Philadelphia 
We have tons of bridges. Again, you can experience a lot of that Philadelphia has to offer by crossing these bridges. So in this city, you got it. We got. We need bridges, and that's what I am. I feel like, and that drives me. I I uh, I love being a black man. I love being in the city of Philadelphia. I love being a husband. I love being a father. I love being a brother. I love being a friend. And I love just the opportunity that I have to serve people, man. It's so fulfilling. And uh, and I just want to know, I, I want to be a part of the city, man, the city of brotherly love. And I believe that that brotherly love starts with the brothers. Mm. What was your your earliest experience in service and community? My earliest experience with me came from like my parents in church. Okay. Uh, so my father was a, was a pastor and uh, just had a strong- To your PK. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, so my father and my grandfather was a pastor as well. So my father was always very, I mean, just community oriented. And he always shared a strong sentiment of coming outside of the four walls of the church. And I, I serve in a church now, Harvest Time Christian Fellowship, where my pastor is all about getting out of the four walls, mm-hmm. meeting needs, hearing people, connecting. If it doesn't make sense, then it doesn't make sense. Yeah. If, if people can't understand it, if people can't, then, you know, what are you doing? And so I think that I've always wanted to kind of put feet to what I believe and what I talk about, what I say, but actually to get out there and do it. And, um, you know, I'm just, I, I think that, you know, all my life, like I'm watching my, my father uh, work in a, at a men's home and a men's shelter and making sure the men were taken care of. And when guys came home from prison, that they had the resources that they needed and they were connected, they had the support services in place so that they could get back on their feet and get back to their families and have some sense of dignity and, and pride about their lives. Mm. And that was important to me. And you know, I, seeing that, uh, it was way more than suits and ties and mm. nice shoes. You mm. know, It was about <laughs> boots on the ground, service, like advocating for, for others and getting your hands dirty mm-hmm. for the sake of someone else. And uh, that changed my life. And I, I just believe that, you know, um, that's why we're here. You know, we're here to help each other, to love each other. And the city of brotherly love looks like something. Mm-hmm. It's not just a nice moniker. It mm-hmm. looks like something. And I want to embody that. I want to model that. Manhood yeah. and masculinity. Yeah. Is that synonymous to you or, 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 or do they have to be mutually reinforcing? Manhood and masculinity. That's a really good question. Uh, we did a workshop at, up at CCP about that. You know, I think uh, masculinity and manhood, I think they're, you know, when it comes to men, there's a, there's so many different ide- ideas of what a man is supposed to be. And I think ultimately, you know, when we're talking about responsibility and we're talking about taking action on behalf of others, I think that being a man looks like that. I think that being a man looks like care, concern. I think there's a toughness that everyone wants out of men, but then there's a tenderness that often gets overlooked. And I think that uh, there's a balance and a beautiful balance of the two that, that, uh, that exists and that we have to begin to embrace. Mm-hmm. Because I think that uh, this uh, ultra machismo thing has got to go. It's dangerous. You see what's happening in our streets. But then also this very passive and just hopefully things will get better has got to go as well. Mm. So it's got to be us taking responsibility and working together as men in the beautiful spectrum that we are. 
and working together to see things change and to see things increase and to make sure and ensure that every black man, every black man and boy in this city has the resources and the opportunities that they deserve. Any higher political aspirations? No. No desire to be, <laughs> ma- no desire to be mayor? Or, no. Or... I, you know what? My wife tells me all the time, she's like, babe, you know, and yeah, shout out to my wife. She's really the one that even convinced me of to, this. I saw okay. this opportunity. But she's always been a big champion for me when it comes to politics, and I've never thought of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just literally going straight from my heart, man. But and, this uh, job will require you to engage in some level of oh, yeah. p- political yeah. maneuvering. and Absolutely. Okay. I don't know if that's going to manifest into some desire for any other higher office, but, man, I'm, just, I'm grateful to be a part of uh, the city of Philadelphia's solution. Any last thoughts? Anything that you want to say that I didn't have a chance to ask you? Um, No, man. I just want to thank you for your time. And I appreciate you coming by and sharing your heart and and your concern, your level of concern. To me, I think it's very important when a black man wants to hold uh, a black, a, a, a service for black men accountable and to make sure that it's doing what it says it's going to do. And I appreciate that. And I want to make sure that we are. And I want to follow up. I mm-hmm. want, you know, when we, when we have our action academies, I'd love for you to be there. I'd love for you to see that. I want you to continue to push us, to encourage us, to engage us, to give us your ideas and your take on things. Because ultimately, man, it's going to take all of us that have a voice, that have influence in this city to make a difference. And so honestly, man, I'm just thankful for you being here and I appreciate our time together. Uh, whatever we can do, let's set set up, set set something else up in the future, and I will, let's run run this back okay. and see how things are going. And and we definitely will have the health report for you. Also have our spotlight guide. It just uh, spotlights all of the well, not all because we're we're working on it, but spotlights a lot of black men in the city who are doing phenomenal work. We want to put them on display, mm-hmm. and part of that is is helping them, is putting them in our magazine, but also getting that word out to other individuals that hey, should you need mentoring for your son in the summertime, or you need a program, hey, we have a resource. Spotlight Guide focuses on all these guys that are doing amazing work in each section of the city. Check it out. You can find this information here, and all that stuff is available on our website as well. Eric, can you give your email address, phone number, and office number? Yep, my email address is eric.westbrook at phila.gov. Um, that's E R I C, and Westbrook is W E S T B R O O K with no E on the end at phila.gov. Uh, my phone number is 215 686 0332. And uh, what else? Room number? My room number, I'm in City Hall in room 115. Okay. Open door policy. Open door policy. If you want to come, chill, talk, yell, scream, rap, mm-hmm. sing, whatever you'd like to do, come. Come see me. I'm open. I'm not turning anybody away. I want, you, I want to hear your concerns. I want to hear your heart. And I want to assure you that we're on your side. And we're working to make our city safer for black men and boys. Thank you for your time, sir. Absolutely, man. Pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate you, man.